I think he wants some pig noises. To I'm start just with. gazing at the pig. I know she's she really is something to look at. I mean, I would imagine after like a week, I'd be bored and I'd be like, "All right, this mm. pig here." But she has there's like some zoo novelty to having a pig here. It's an absolute unit. Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> the sheer intimidating factor. Of, I mean, she's like it, clearly that pig could eat me. She's feisty. Yeah. Dude, wait, oh, so no. Did she lose her breath? Yeah, now she's going to be <laughs> fucking tortured. Oh, She can't get it. Oh. This is uh, uh this is pig pig cabin <laughs> adventures.com animation. Indy uh Jesse McManus is Hello. joining us today. We got Jesse. How's Rock it going? Made the pilgrimage over. Uh I'm going to leave the table for a moment and try and get that bread back over to Grace. So we'll give a, just a quick play-by-play of what's going on here. Uh, Trevor gave bread to the pig the through bread. a cage. The bread fell through the slats mid-chomp. Yeah, and now she's, you know, tortured. There was bread right I, out of reach. I feel like cage is so oppressive. I feel like crate <laughs> would conjure a better image. I feel like crate is some... Is some... Uh, uh, is some... Weird semantic uh, softening of what she's actually in. Yeah, she she's really clearly is, yeah. engaged. She's in prison right now. <laughs> the question I have is, uh, like, cats will apparently, if you die, they'll eat your face. Yeah. They'll just, oh. they're, that's their go-to. They're like, oh, they're dead. Now they're food. Yeah. And, but pigs. I would imagine Wait, the pig would eat you. fucking true? It's the rumor. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I know that pigs will Dustin's eat. Dustin's cat will eat all of our faces. <laughs> Dustin's cat is a fucking. That's that's man. the other reason I didn't bring Edie in because I don't want the cat to have. All, all, Edie gives all other animals anxiety just by her presence. She's a lot. She's a lot to take. And grape gives Rob Shaw anxiety. She great grape gives me anxiety. Even what? though I do really like like Sue. If I if if I was hanging out with Grape and I got to know Grape and me and Grape were like snuggling on the couch watching mm-hmm. movies and stuff. I'd be totally chill around grape. You haven't been exposed to no, her and in so an intimate setting yet. All it is is a a clearly strong animal <laughs> that eats everything that kind of like comes at me. We're and I let her out later. I also saw a movie uh, within the in the in the genre of um, of animal horror movies. There's one called Pigs from the 70s, and uh, um, the concept is like there's like some. If I remember it right, it's like there's like a, a guy who like kills people. He kills drifters. People come to him. He kills them, and then he feeds them to his pigs. So the pig yeah, has sense, yeah. very little to do with things, but it really cemented in my mind that like, yeah, pigs eat people. Like that's what they want to do. They get a bad rap. Grape is pretty sweet. But you so so to to bring it all the way back is that Jesse McManus, who's in studio right now. In, in living room studio. I love when you say studio. Uh, it's, it's like when I say crate instead of yeah, exactly. instead of cage. Sure, Is that Jesse, you uh, you've known Grape since she was 
the size of a cheeseburger. True. Right? Because she used to run around the studio. So she cute. Was really, really tiny. It was magical. It was magical. Because she's just a fat bastard. Oh, yeah. It's impressive. But, uh, yeah, she you had her in a little Rubbermaid thing with a blankie. And I just remember walking by your desk and being like, oh, pig. Oh, there's a, this, this requires attention or just acknowledgement. That was a while ago. That must have been... Uh, I wonder if that was the last time I saw you. Like, easily a year ago, maybe. Could, could have been. Yeah. I don't know, but... Uh, but you've been busy as shit since I've seen you. Jesse's always mm. busy. But, like... But makes himself busy. Try to. But yeah. publishing a graphic novel, fucking a debut graphic novel. Yes, sir. Uh, how long ago? When did you publish this novel? Um, I mean, I know you didn't publish it. It's right. The publisher. Uncivilized Books out of Minneapolis put it out last April. Mm-hmm. So they put it out last year. Um, but yes. you had a debut party at Floating World Comics mm-hmm. here in Portland, tail end of 2018. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I kind of. It's it was a long time coming because, actually, like the the oldest piece in the book, which is like the first third of it, is from two thousand nine, and then I colored it in two thousand fifteen, mm-hmm. and then stuff all through the middle. Oh, that's just an extra little mini comic thing. Um, but uh, wait, wait, so in the middle of this table in our state of the art studio here is a <laughs> stack of graphic novels. Did you, Rob? Did you bring these for no, Jesse no, no. to autograph? Jesse brought those for you to autograph. No, <laughs> no. Um, uh, Jesse just brought them. I think as as physical aids. Um, I think I have all these things except for this one, this top one. I well, you have I that have. now. Well. But the, I'm, I'm going to say the name of this again. I'm going to I'm going to keep repeating uh, Jesse McManus, um, and I'm going to keep repeating the Whistling Factory, which is a graphic novel that some. So it was published a year ago. Out of a, a, a press in uh, Maryland. Minneapolis. Oh, in Minneapolis. Yes. Um, and I don't know you as a graphic novelist. I know you mm. as a um, as an animator, as a character designer, um, and as an art director. So I, this was like all brand new for me. So I'm, that's cool. I'm so super excited. I didn't know you were making fucking graphic novels. The, too, that's kind of just... So I'm, I come at Jesse from the reverse because like when I first met you... You were doing comics, mm-hmm. and um, and then started doing character design. So I th- I always think of you as like oh, it's com- like whenever I have a comic book question about mm-hmm. like, and especially, um, you know, if if listeners, when you start, if you don't already know Jesse's work, when you start going through his work, you'll see that there's a that there's a uh, he's a very singular visioned guy. It's like there's a the especially this one I feel like is a journey into Jesse Brain, um, and so like I've talked to you about comics before, and I try to kind of pick your brain about like um, I have this view of certain artists are um, certain artists are natural born to their thing, and certain artists are driven to do that thing even though it's not their thing and there's great i think there's great successes on both sides but i think like in film there's people like um uh orson wells and spielberg and and hitchcock are all people that i feel like uh they're so talented at the language of film that they have to challenge themselves above and beyond to make something good because they're 
standard of like the way their brain works is I think that they can see telling a story. They already know it's going to work. You know, like uh, I saw this, um, uh, I once saw an interview with John Carpenter and hearing him talk about making a horror movie was awesome because it was so brass tacks. Like it was not like, uh, it was, it was not like an art speech. It was so like, he's like, you know, yeah guy jumps out from the darkness and you goose the soundtrack and people jump out of their seats. Like it was so, it was so like, he's just saying what the fuck actually happens. And I feel like that's, that's so, a, so you're saying that Jesse is the, the John Carpenter of, <laughs> of uh, graphic novelization. I do. I do. I think that Jesse, um, Jesse thinks in sequential panels and those panels are not, those panels are, uh, only related in Jesse's brain. So like there's, there's comic book artists. There's, there's comic artists who the panels change very little from panel to panel. And that's kind of like their thing is like the difference between the panels is the thing is very subtle. And if you go through Jesse's stuff, sometimes like in this one, you have to like hold hard to the thread. Cause you're like, what is this panel? Like, it'll be like someone will do something and it'll everything's constantly like undulating and changing between the panels that I think this is all my very long way of saying that I feel like um uh Jesse has a language in comics that is that like just happens and I think like that he doesn't have to work for it. Well, I think he definitely has to work for it, but I think what Jesse works for is stuff like I think well, and we sh- we have Jesse here, so we could probably ask him. But sure, my, <laughs> my, my, no, 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 keep going, Rob. Right, right, right. Great, great. My great. my theory is that <laughs> is that there's a version, there's an easy version of comic books to you where you could do a no brainer version, but you give your you set up obstacles for yourself to draw out something better out of your work. Sure, and that, I suppose it's intuitive obstacles for sure because. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I don't know it. Uh, so- sometimes it's that the thing you're talking about, uh, almost like the non sequitur quality that some people get out of it. I feel like is non-existent when I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. It's it's and in fact, if you're reading a thing, a comic that I've done, it's probably I was able to take that past panel one because I latched onto something and then just did the next thing that seemed natural. Yeah. And so when you, I like that you say the the, the language happens, because it's less uh, meta thinking about the language than it is trying to like be a verb, mm-hmm. like trying to keep it going. Because I like drawing comics, and if I'm not drawing them, it's depressing. But you, <laughs> so so, and we'll get into because this is a podcast about animation, so we'll make that transition. Oh yeah, uh, or but, or fucking not, or not. yeah, oh, but fuck it. Well, yeah. but um um, because I have a lot of thoughts about Jesse as a as a. But can I ask you guys both a question? Which I, I don't think it's yeah. going to slow you down, but how many fucking projects have the two of you guys worked on together, do you think? I don't even fucking know. Right? You can't a even lot. count. I feel like right? Jesse's worked on at least half of anything I've done since we met. But I feel like it, the 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 name Jesse comes up very often when you and I are sitting down and we're like, oh, you know what would be really cool if we, you know, if we could get a designer on this film or a designer mm-hmm. on this project or whatever, and your name keeps coming up. So. I appreciate it. Yeah, Rob's <laughs> a huge advocate of yours. Keeps like, me alive. Um, so. like, yeah. 
But anyway, it's also so sorry it, to slow you down. So yeah, you guys worked on a that's fucking actually, ton of that's, projects. That's very related though, because I think what Jesse that that idea of Jesse being a very like singular artist that like when you work with Jesse you're not trying to impose somebody else's thing on him you're, you're like to oh draw... give me disney character give right. me print disney princesses I'm trying to draw out Jesse's take i kind of treat him as like a director under a director where like i want his take on right this but isn't that this good, thing. isn't that about being a good designer it's, it's the like fuck, the, yeah. it's like you well, live in a certain you live in a certain neighborhood in terms of the type of art you like to create and then people are attracted to that neighborhood and so they let you live there instead of like forcing you to do you'd be like dude Jesse give me some give me some stuff that looks like MC Escher with like perfect graphite work which which is which is certainly like part of the other side of that like the magpie aspect has been I think a way that uh I've been able to keep doing stuff is that like it's a it's a it's like it's like an honor to be asked to do to have you say oh do this in Jesse way or whatever and like oh I can do my thing it's also interesting to be like you know part of you being the director hiring me it makes it so like oh I get what you are now look at this style look sure. how look how these eyes are spaced yeah. look how we don't it's kind of like a sliding scale or whatever yeah. we're like crank it up your way or crank it the other way right you know, and being flexible in that way to the extent that sometimes, you know, it's a it's a bent image lab thing often of like, do this style yeah, to the best of your abilities. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have you here because you're flexible. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the funny thing. Like, it's nice to be hired for your style or whatever. But um, oftentimes it feels more like hired for your flexibility mm -hmm. and willingness to bend. Yeah. And there's... Um, I two two one is that every time we do that, every time we try to, every time you try to hone down you or 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 somebody else who's who's who who is a really versatile designer, um, you find more paths of you know like I feel like we've done things where like it'll be like, uh, um, hey let's do this so this is going to be more down that pop tart super simplified route or. This is going to be more down that you know um, insane coke spirit route, or like you yeah. know, like um, there. It's even even your even stuff that's your style is still it's that's that's not like a one specific note. That's like a range of things that then we dip into, and then there's another range of things. Yeah, you want to contain multitudes. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's it's I I don't. Uh... I think part of the fun of making like a big book like this or something is that I can uh, put different styles into work. And then once it's all together, notice that it's all the same mm -hmm. for myself. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, what am I? I don't know. And then putting a bunch of stuff down and like, oh, there is a cohesive feeling. But maybe that's just completely personal. But you do know? you ever suffer from the from the uh, what am I? I don't know like existential dread as an artist? I mean, do you go For through sure. the, that highs and lows of like, I'm a fraud. What am I doing? Like, yeah. sorry to dive so deep so early on no, the no, fucking no, podcast, great. but Love I'm it. always so curious about in our world in animation and art, it feels like, uh, uh, there's a cyclical nature to just being insecure mm -hmm. that can be horribly paralyzing, but then also be incredibly, uh, motivating as well. I find that because the work is really, and just the practice of drawing or something for me is 
very compulsive. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you end up with stuff that you have to reckon with because mm-hmm. it came out like, oh, I have a drawing on my wall. How am I supposed to feel about that? Right, right, <laughs> oh, yeah. right. Like, and sometimes putting stuff on the internet can be the equivalent of like stepping back from the canvas. Like, what did I do? What, what the hell is this? And then, oh, it's a drawing. Right. <laughs> oh, it's a drawing of a weird goblin or something. Yeah, okay, yeah. got it. That's now I can understand why I did that. And mm-hmm. now I can maybe ideally go over the hill to like seeing the quality or actually enjoying it myself. Mm-hmm. But instead of torturing the shit out of yourself and overthinking and Yeah, or just not yeah, overthinking definitely and and but also just not having any um objectivity yeah. towards it and knowing, following your intuition the whole time to be like, I wanna make this thing but then in that process, all the all the worms come out of the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say this again. The Whistling Factory. I'm, I'm just going to do this like I have Tourette's. Yeah, yeah. I think an, another something. The Whistling Factory by Jesse McManus. Something very specific to this graphic novel for me was how um, it is. Uh, it holds up to multiple reading more than holds up. It like... Uh, it's uh it's really enjoyable to go through again because it's thank you i think everything is there's lots to there's lots to get the second time around having gone through it the first time and i imagine part of that is is the idea that like i'm following your exact same journey and creating it when i read it so i get to the end mm-hmm. and i'm like all right now i see what the thing is now I can go back in and enjoy the parts and pieces leading up to the thing. And- totally. Yeah. Can I ask a practical question, Jesse? Of course. Okay. No. I'm in Portland. <laughs> uh, Rob, can I ask both of you guys a practical yeah. question? <laughs> Since we keep diving, getting existential. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if I'm in Portland, Oregon, where can I buy your work? Um, the Whistling Factory, I think you can get it in Powell's and in Floating World. At Floating World and, and Powell's. And, yeah, definitely. Because um, it does, it is distributed by a big book distributor. What about so. Cosmic Monkey? Possibly. Because that's my shop. Is that yours? Yeah, it's Wait, right here. the one in Southeast? No, it's right here. Oh, the one next to my coffee shop. Yeah. Which is also next to the gym I don't go awesome. to. Awesome. I love <laughs> it. I love it. <laughs> they, I hope they have it, but if they yeah. don't, they could get it. They should. So, um, uh, uh, independent of Powell's bookstore, I, I want to imagine people could order it online too. They can, and I should enunciate Floating World too, who definitely has it, and they put out an earlier thing of mine. And they did. So you, so they published a zine of yours, or I don't even know. They published a graphic novel of yours. It's comic, yeah. <laughs> or, or comic. I, yeah. Forgive me the, for people who don't know what Floating World uh, comics uh, are or is. They're in uh, one of the most badass parts of Portland that still smells like urine. <laughs> so it's not in the Pearl District. It's not downtown. It is in a corner where it probably has the largest concentration of homeless missions, which I think really keeps the... It's one of really, like, the last, like, I don't know, like, unpolished parts of Portland that I remember from my childhood because all of Portland in the 80s was like that. Everything just smelled like piss. Mm. Uh, and then now it's like, it smells like synthetic perfume. Um, in certain areas, but your but uh, Floating World Comics is like one of the they participate in a lot of art uh, openings and uh, debuts with authors and graphic novelists and comics and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so that was it. And then you can also get it online. 
anywhere just by Googling it. Yeah, you can get it from, I think, uncivilizedbooks.com is the address of the publisher, and they, they, they're happy to get it direct, but there's, I think, plenty of places carrying it online. You can, you can search it out. That's awesome. Not to turn this podcast into a commercial, but I am so fucking enthusiastic about this again because I didn't know any of this shit about you. I just thought you were an art director and an animator. Multifaceted man. Yeah. What? I want to publish a fucking graphic novel. What was the one that came... What was the one you gave me? It was right before Whistling Factory, and it felt like it was related. Yeah, and man. it's a kid that goes to a factory, and then there's like a big boss man, and he goes with yeah. the rats... What is that one? That one's called Mr. B. Okay. And that's just that's that's a fifty page story that I did last year or the year before, maybe a year and a half ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um that yeah, that was just a deep dive on a on a single conceit or something. Yeah. Like a single you know, there those are denser pages like I really love that twenty one. panel pages. Thank yeah. you. I really, really enjoyed it. I think that as far as I can see, that that is a unit that will be part of a future collection Got of it. units because there are i have like with this i'll have like 20 pages here of a thing i'll have mm-hmm. 10 pages here of a thing and uh, in lieu of making myself insane trying to connect them like it, just maybe using the short story or anthology yep vibe yep. i can yep. okay these things yep. can go together mm-hmm. even if they there isn't a direct character connection or mm-hmm. anything like right. that that's fucking amazing. Are you talking when you say you got ten pages here, twenty pages there? Are you talking digitally, or are you, or you, do you have like big panels at home, like sheets and? Yeah, both. You'll get drunk at a bar and you're fucking doodling for seven hours. Uh, uh, yeah, it's no, it's bo- it's both. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, for example, like, yeah, this this the first third of this book is all, um, like seven by eight and a half inch drawings each panel is Jesus. and so there's just a stack of 200 of those that you started in 2009 that i yeah did in 2009 the inks yeah. for it and then but then all the coloring's digital so there's no colored versions of them likewise the last story in the book is totally digital because by that by 2015 i had learned how to, rich and you bought a cintiq i right? bought a, i bought a little cintiq <laughs> with with commercial money yeah. and then and was able to like color the beginning of the book and do work totally digitally too which different experience you mm-hmm. know so mm-hmm. but literally the things we were talking about were yeah ones that the 10 pages here 50 pages there are actual pieces of paper yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> and so when dude, I, I really like stealing Rob's lines because they're so fucking good is uh, going back to, to little Jesse. Little Jesse. Yeah, little. I'm so <laughs> fucking curious about Maybe that's my peg person. Jesse. Maybe it's not even going to be regular Jesse. It's going to be like, <laughs> yeah, little, like little, a little baby Jesse. Little, little baby Jesse. Yeah, because I'm so curious. <laughs> I, uh, I think you're a little bit younger than I am. Uh, you're definitely younger than Rob because he's like 74 years old. Yeah. But uh, I'm and just really shows, curious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, also, Rob, he's, he super young. he's also, because uh, uh, you don't have the visuals, uh, Jesse's super tall and he's got uh, a gigantic mop of hair. Um, yeah, which is true. part of why I'm stoked to make his little peg guy. <laughs> that's like my that's like oh my, my god oh that's, that's what i'm saying teaser so man. my my, my okay, i didn't know what you're talking about no 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 my that's like my like part of part of this podcast for me um everyone else does the work dustin and trevor do all the work of the podcast and High i five, just show dustin. up and <laughs> my one of my big motivators is uh i love doing these stupid little peg toy people they're so of, good. of people that i know it's like the it's it's like a it's like a joy. I shot one to Sarah and she was like, "You nailed the hair." 
<laughs> but anyway, that's Sarah's Rada for everybody. But wait, but Rob, you don't go back and listen to these episodes. No. So I go back and listen to the episodes and edit them for confidential shit that needs to be cut out and all you know because we're talking about like movies and secret shit. Um, and I sound like a fucking pompous asshole no. oh, <laughs> consistently and you're you're like the voice of reason no that's nice yeah. to hear so you were doing I the heavy lifting of this whole fucking i could not possibly podcast. listen to myself that would be awful oh it's horrible yeah i can't it is like self-flagellation yeah. you guys are a dynamic awful. duo yeah. just deal with it yeah. just deal with it um anyway but i am completely ripping off rob and stealing his spotlight uh in that he actually is a really good at um uh, at getting us out of the present day, which uh, we're in Portland, Oregon. We've all, all three of us have worked together. I don't know if you and I have worked directly together, but you have to have. There's no way you did. There's no way you we're have. Always, we're definitely parallel often. Yeah, I think we. I, um, I don't feel like there's any way that no, that's I'm true. Like outsourcing my character design a lot when I was at Dent Image Lab. Yeah, but even still, he does. The thing is, the thing about Jesse, and we'll talk. We will jump into Little Jesse, but just really quick. One of the things uh, that I didn't think about until just now is so funny is that when Jesse came in, um, it was so specific. It was like so the first hear time that I, story too. Exactly, like how the, the first time I worked with you bed, was yeah. for the was for that um, that that one bid where it was like we were going for like a stop motion psychedelic character look and. I forget, like, I think, I don't know whether we had already met or whether this was like, because I think what happened was I, Kirsten had something of yours and showed it to me. And I was like, oh, that guy seems great. Let's go. But I had no idea how fast you would be, how slow you would be, how like versatile you would be or whether like, I don't know what I'm getting because it's such, I think what she gave me was a mini comic and it was like a very super specific style. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of your reputation reputation is like, Oh, it's, he's got, he's very like, it's Jesse style. But what's funny is that you've been, we've worked together on so many things in so many different roles, like, like character designer, storyboard artist. We've done a ton of both of those things together. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, Animator and animator, not even of not of Jesse stuff. Animator of non Jesse designs, like just as specific, like a traditional two D animator where he takes somebody else's stuff and he animates oh, shit. it. I didn't know that. And I will even say that that your animation can be either you can say Jesse, I need this to look like regular animation, or I need this to look like Jesse animation, and those are two different things that mm-hmm. we go down. Like the John Malta stuff that you did. Uh, it's such a beautiful combo of John Malta style designs with Jesse style motion. Oh, I saw that. Remember that one? Oh, fuck. That was awesome. But with what? Thanks. Can we shout it out right now and say where people could see that? Because oh, that sure. wasn't just for a bit. That was for an actual. Oh, that was for a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the was Honda. It? it was a. That's fucking right. It was the Honda. It was a Honda job. But um, it was for Northern California. It was called. Run Honda Run the World, I think you'll find yeah. it if you were to look that up. But mm-hmm. there's like these little ramen cups that are <laughs> dancing. Yeah. I mean, you did all the animation in that one. But that one, that part in particular, I remember thinking like, this is like a, such a great combo of two different people's styles working together yeah. to make a new, a third style. 
But that's fucking crazy. But that, that whole fucking people should try to go seek that out. Just fucking go to YouTube or Google and type in uh, Northern California Honda Honda Run the World. Yeah, right. I think, I think even if you were to just Google Honda Run the World, you would that might come through. But it was all fucking CG. That's the other crazy thing is what you're talking about are two D elements that were living on top of. Uh, in a complete CG environment. Yeah, because right? there was that one. That Honda thing was fun because John Malta's stuff is awesome. John Malta's and, fucking and yeah, it's pretty, pretty um, natural kind of style to inhabit. Mm-hmm. For me or whatever, I can see where he's coming from or something. But also another Honda thing we did uh, with Saul and and Greg and whatnot was the uh, what is it the um, life could be a dream. Thing oh, yeah, yeah. and yeah, that's yeah. that's an example of I did all these 2D designs for this neighborhood that they're moving through that then got CG animated. So right. so my hand is not on it, but but my hand is in it. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Uh, the, um, what about the? Uh, so I'm holding the mic. Web, so, no, I'm holding the mic away from my face. Should, yeah, yeah, fucking idiot. Sneak into the mm-hmm. fucking wire. The part. what about the? Um, we need a website so we can fucking cite all this. <laughs> yeah, shit. yeah. So we go. Oh, go to the website when you're done listening to this. That, the YP podcast. Dime thing where you designed all the characters that were then CG. Oh yeah, I, guys. I love very Jesse esque. Well, guys, in collaborating with you, that was one of the things I'm like most proud of because uh, we had a blast. Mm-hmm. Making those designs. Was it those three organs sitting yeah, on the yeah. couch? Yeah. yeah. They're fucking amazing, dude. <laughs> yeah, they're funny. I, and that was, it was a thrill for me because that was, I didn't even know you could make something CG look so tactile uh-huh. and, and clay like. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I grew up loving clay animation too. Mm-hmm. So to see things that were completely flat 2D on my part come back in a few months and, oh yeah, we did that. That's done. And yeah, oh, yeah. fully formed <laughs> yeah. clay, quasi clay versions. That's also the nicest. That's like the most fun part of production is when you're on part of production, but not all of production. And then you get to see things come out of the, it's like being yeah. on a cooking show where they're like, and then you put it in the oven for 30 minutes and then they pull out the mm-hmm. one that's already pre-made yeah, yeah. and you're like, yeah, it's fucking Instead done. of us poor I bastards where we're on from beginning to right. end and we grow bitter and cynical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like those times I've had those things, those times where I've been like, oh, I didn't have to do this. And yet still I get to see it done. And it's, you know, it's, yeah. that's. Okay, so that perfect. That's actually good segue to Lil Jesse, the we yeah. the we one. We one. Yeah, is the we one from Portland, Oregon? No, sir. The we one is from the we one. It's, <laughs> it's from uh, from Minneapolis. Okay, where Wait, you're from Minneapolis, which is also where your publisher is based. Yes. Uh, and also in, where Rhymesayers is based. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Is that true? Yeah. The connections. I know. So we'll probably get to why Rhymesayers is significant. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Um, but yeah, and, and in fact, that this I, the book took a long time to come out. Um, and there were, I think there's moments where people in my life could have said, why don't you give this to someone else? Why don't you try to put this out in a different way? But I was really focused on Uncivilized Books because... The guy who runs that, Tom Kaczynski, um, when I was a little kid, I would go downtown with my dad to this great comic shop that no longer exists called Big Brain Comics. Um, And I would just, they were my favorite shop because they had really good independent comics, European comics, um, and they let me look at whatever I wanted. Other stores you'd go in as a kid and try to buy a crumb comic or a dave cooper right. or some obviously obscene comic and they'd say no you're a little kid you can't buy that and right. i would never go to that store again because i was <laughs> yeah, yeah i was so embarrassed that they called me out for being yeah, a kid yeah. and i was also resentful yeah 
than how like, how old a kid are we talking about? You know, double digits. Okay. Like, but then, but Ted Kaczynski let not you. like five trying to buy a crumb comic and being like, no, like, you know, like, I like big legs. What are you gonna do? No, this is pubescent. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but it, it, uh, but definitely, I wanted to look at weird shit mm-hmm. at that at at early ages, and yeah. so, um, but I'd go into Big Brain, look at a bunch of stuff, and Tom Kaczynski was a young guy then. Yeah, not Ted. Yeah, right. Uh, but um different, very different. He had drawn all the signage for all the long boxes with this character and I saw him bring in original art of comics and that was the first time it clicked like, "Oh, you can um literally draw these and make these." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it came full circle that like in 2009 I I was living at home again or something after school and um and he just got in touch and then saw the f- first thing i was working on and then just kept in touch nice. for another another you know nine years mm-hmm. to when he could actually put it all together that's because awesome. he puts out a lot of other books but this one was sure. like first it was like oh i'll publish like a comic like a you know a 24 page thing of you and i was like i'm afraid i've got more yeah, <laughs> yeah. i think we we should make this a bigger thing it's well worth the wait because i'm looking at this i'm looking at the binding i'm looking at like this is like some proper literature right yeah here. yeah yeah no, thank you. Um, and then, but this is all Minneapolis. I don't know a fucking. Thing yeah. Oh, sorry. That was a long way right. around. Just Minneapolis. But you're yeah. you're from there. That's where mm-hmm. that comic shop was. That's where your your current publisher for Un, uh, Uncivilized is. Yes. Uh, and you grew up there. As a, I grew as a up there. Kid. Yeah. My my mom owns a bookstore there. I'm a bookstore brat, and called Wild Rumpus, which is an independent kids bookstore. Oh yeah. And they have, I think their name published. Publishers Weekly, like best bookstore in the country, of a couple of years ago or something, nice. which is kind of a victory lap because they there's they opened when I was in single digits mm-hmm. and yeah. they're still around. Yeah, um, and they have a pet store license so that they can have live animals in the store. Wait, wait, wait go take grape there. Wait, wait, they've had a pig. They had a <laughs> new pig, home for grape. They had a pig there for a while. Really, and that was a, a, an aborted experiment for all the reasons I'm sure you could guess that they like to poop. Oh yeah, and oh, they yeah, yeah. they're pigs. Yeah, <laughs> they love. Poop. I think pooping might be one of her favorite activities. No, you know. Um, um, wait, so it's like you've got mail, except <laughs> except the bookstore survived. <laughs> yeah, right. Because yeah, it was more like or less, a, that. an amazing kids bookstore, <laughs> yeah. but it didn't have animals in it. No, yeah, the animals are a big draw, and so, there's a. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Um, there's also like structure anomalies, like. A big crack in the ceiling with the sky coming through and a small door for kids within the door. Oh, yeah. oh that's awesome. Oh, God, that uh, great. A haunted shed where the scary books are with rats in the floor that you can look at through Real glass. Rat? Yeah. Mm. Um, stuff oh, like that. that's what, oh, I see. So, so the animals are part of the environment. Yeah. It's been staged. There's yes. not like fucking. It's not just it's like, not just you left too much fucking garbage. <laughs> rats yeah. came around. I guess rats are part of the store now. Yeah, we got animals here. We got rats. We got roaches. Yeah, we, got, we got maggots. We got lice. Spanish flu. Coming. Yeah. Um, nah. So that's amazing. So when you were like three or seven, your mom opened up a children's bookstore in Minneapolis. Uh huh. And so that meant that after school and during idle hours, you were there either working in some capacity or like sweeping the floor or just reading, devouring, literature, hanging out, reading, drawing. Okay. So you're so, so how, how old are you when you first started drawing comics? Do you think? Um, I don't know exactly. I'll just say single digits Mm because I know I was drawing at 
like any kid like at five or six mm-hmm. or something like that and then i think they both my mom and my dad kind of point out that there was a certain point where it clicked like you have some sort of book fetishism right you you like to draw you yeah. like cartoons and then um this is the most easily accessible way to put two and two together yeah and there's plenty to be obsessed about yeah and did you so. start was was there a period when you just started outputting where like suddenly it was like holy fuck you're like painting and you're drawing and you're sure i mean i was just i, I mean only child indoor kid in minnesota uh, yeah uh, yeah <laughs> like you, you may... weren't playing sports and getting fucked up and no. beating up on nerds i school, thought cleats so. were cool right <laughs> but that's about it i was yeah, pissed yeah. that i got my cleats and they weren't actual nails oh yeah yeah like it never occurred time. to me that you're an only child but it makes it makes sense you're one, so. you're one of the ones i like i don't know why I'm, <laughs> i don't know why i'm surprised by that too and i don't know really anything about you but i'm actually surprised too for some but reason. it works well in my like so like when when my wife and i were arguing over whether to have more than one kid there's you know, there's seemingly an endless supply of horror story only children that she had at her beck and call to like throw on the table of why you have to have another kid. <laughs> and uh, I just kept coming back to Orland because mm. I was like, he's a near perfect human being. This is a Wait, film, is he filmmaker a, is, friend of ours. He, yeah, yeah, he doesn't have siblings. No, he is a near perfect human. Yeah, he, he really is. He's a wonderful. <laughs> but I think, I think, I think, uh, I think Jesse works in that. I think that there's like a, you find that you're that there's people that you gravitate towards. There's like a type, you know, you have a type in your in your circle of like these is this is who I want to work with. These are the people that I like. I feel like Jesse's in that realm with. Orland for me is just like of of like oh yeah it totally makes sense to me that you're an only child but for the good reasons not for uh, the bad that's reasons. nice <laughs> yeah there's a certain amount of forced autonomy but also you know loneliness that you want to share too yeah you're not yeah. having it forced on you by yeah. a sibling so when suddenly there's people around like <laughs> okay a, we can work with this there's like, a very like clear and personal identity i think that can happen that way that maybe doesn't happen that other way and i don't know why i don't know i'm not a young man, I, so I, don't I, know, I i'm i'm a fucking twin and i've got like older siblings and we had like cousins and stuff like actually moving into our house at a young age so i have no idea what privacy or right or or just single <laughs> i don't know what parents. personal like, space is i have no fucking this, idea this is why you like being at the center of the storm <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah. You've, you've had to adapt to it your whole life did you um uh uh did you start putting comprehensive pieces together before your um, college career like were you putting yes. you were doing self-contained stories Yeah that's and, I think that's how I got into college not just single okay. panels was yeah. was yeah like my you know my mom had the bookstore angle my dad super who's like software developer but also artist and musician and stuff oh, wow. he he would fa- he facilitated Took me to the comic store. Took me on the Kinko's runs. Okay, um, taught, you know, had a computer with Photoshop. So you self-published. Yeah, yeah. That was oh, out, yeah. out the gate, and that was that was it was almost embarrassing in the way that like when you apply to art schools, you're supposed to have here's me doing figure drawing, here's me yep. drawing a building, yep. and I had I only had that as I was obligated to mm-hmm. my. Slides and portfolio were just a book, yeah, yeah. of p- fifty-page comic that I did over summer of like eighth grade or something like that. Wow. Um, and so, and that was the, that was the weird double-edged sword of the whole art school thing was I wanted to do it, but also I kind of went in. F- 
you know, loved school, but also constantly wanted to drop out because I knew the thing I was doing. Yeah. Already. Yeah. 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 You and didn't feel like you wanted to be pushed and pulled into the different disciplines. I, I knew I should have. I knew I needed to, <laughs> and I did. But it was like, but it was under duress. Yeah. 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 Where, where's arts? Where's, where's film? Was, or where's arts? Is the school, the Art Institute of Chicago? How far away is that from fucking Minneapolis? Eight hours. That's not bad. That's not bad. Oh, that's not bad. And it's a great school. It's like just far enough to get away from your family, but just close enough to like, if you get into danger, you can just drive back. That and was still and still fucking snow. That was the cold. idea. Cold. <laughs> what was that? Uh, and what was your major? Uh, interdisciplinary arts. I don't know what so, that means. I don't know if that's fancy well, just well, that means that you could take whatever class you want. <laughs> You're so. at the table with two hillbillies who just <laughs> overreacted five, to your you, to too many words that we didn't understand. No, just a, a painting, drawing, animation, sound, textiles. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, Kind of like a, the art version of a liberal arts degree. Definitely. Okay. And they, What was the name of the school again? Uh, SAIC. It's the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. So the Art Institute of Chicago is there, the museum, and then the school is in the same building and in adjacent buildings downtown in the loop. But is also that, struggling to keep itself separate from the corporate entity of the Art Institute. That was that my it question. Has no it connection has to. No, no connection none. to whatsoever. No. No. Just the alliteration makes it sound exactly. like a for-profit. That's why you, um, I, I, want, I almost ooh. imagine that the Art Institute took its name based on, because at the time, the Art Institute of Chicago is, is, like a, is a really big name art school. And so I, I and this is based on nothing but my own uh, <laughs> Keep may, going. Maybe. But, uh, you know, it's it seems like a, a possibility that they were like, oh yeah, well let's just take that the art institute and apply it to wherever we go, and then it's like a McDonald's. Well, yeah, but the Academy of Art did that too. <laughs> like I'm a I'm a product of of a for profit art school. I went to before film school. I went to the Academy of Art before they tagged that fucking university on the end of their name so now they're called the academy of art university and i'm like <laughs> why not throw institution in there too while you're fucking at it we're the or school salon. of or, higher learning institution yeah. academy it's a little bit like the dr reverend yeah. man anyway. leave it leave it to schools to play semantics games but isn't huh? it weird it's yeah. fucking weird anyway sorry so um so you're so you went to art school at like the uh, Chicago's version of RISD or like New York's version of Pratt or, mm -hmm. or yes. California's version of CalArts. Um, and what is that program? Is it a four-year program? Yeah. You have to take P.E. and shit as a freshman? No. P.E.? No. I don't know. <laughs> don't you have to take is weird Is P.E. a college course? You, right, I, don't but when you're, I don't think it is. But when you're a freshman, you have to take weird shit, like math. You know, no, totally. Just not P.E. Fucking like <laughs> sex ed or sex whatever. Ed, I don't right? know. No, I mean. Home ec. Home ec. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and wood shop. <laughs> no, if I had to take, I mean, we did have the the closest to that was you had to take a certain amount of humanities. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. So, yeah, you do that. But I didn't have to take math or anything like that. I would have dropped out. Yeah. But um, no, first year was like was studio. You know, introducing you to studio classes. Like, yeah. okay, you're going to be here nine to five, and you there's going to be a teacher over your back and then after two months you're going to have a crit right. and we're all going to lambast you or, or yeah. not and and then other classes that were um teaching how to research stuff and archive things and did you go in know. with fine arts uh know-how from like your parents and stuff 
Just a, yeah, a little. I mean, I lived the Walker Art Center in Minneapolis is great. Mm -hmm. And what is that? What's the Walker? It's just a a great museum. It's like the central museum. Like there's a big sculpture garden that has a Klaus Oldenburg cherry and a spoon that's massive. It's just kind of an iconic Minneapolis museum right by downtown. And um, I'd get taken there. And yeah, I had a glancing knowledge of fine art stuff, often through comics in a way like. There, um, there is a through comics I heard about, or and publishers of like avant-garde comics heard about the Harry Who, who are the Chicago artists that um, were kind of parallel to pop art in the '60s, mm-hmm. but they were the sh- Chicago version, which was less, um, less ironic and appropriative, mm-hmm. and more like actually making weird, weird things, weird imagery. Okay, um, not so much the Marilyn Monroe. Warhol face or whatever, as much as like an abstract, weird um, figure, but reverse painted on glass so that it looks and feels like a pinball machine or whatever things. And um, they're just grotesque artists that also seem to be really funny Mm -hmm. and have a craft knowledge. And um, they taught at SAIC. So I was like, I'm going to go there and have them be my teachers. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they were my favorite, they were they were an a door into more fine arts. And were you aware of them prior to like filling out your application for the yeah. school? Like you had been aware of them for a while. Yeah, I was I was really into them, and so I wanted to go to Chicago for that. I was also really into uh, cartoonists from Providence, Rhode Island, um, Fort Thunder, this group of people, and um, who did more printmaking, self publishing noise rock playing things <laughs> and um i wanted to go there too but i didn't get into RISD. Oh, okay so chicago helped me out and yeah. then that was something to shoot for and it was nice to have these have um i don't know it made the whole fine art world or uh, less fine art than art history mm-hmm. more exciting mm-hmm. yeah like to go mm-hmm. there and have a toe into some things that were my aesthetic but then those people were all art history geeks. Right. So you bring them there thinking, oh, I see where you're going from. Now let's go into the museum and look at totally different stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow. And try to get a perspective on that too. Okay, so, can, can I ask a serious question about your, your, your academic career? Yeah. <laughs> I love how you, I love how you wait for the answer too. What? That's, That's the be really I can't always, I always just want to say no because you're asking. Wait, should that, I say no? Well, well no, uh, go ahead. Okay. Uh, how many people were doing drugs at your art school? Uh, there was, there was probably a fair amount. Were I was drugs part of the experience that you remember. Um, you not, know what I'm saying like part of people's or were drugs part of the like, experience that you don't, don't remember. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, I was not deep into that in school much. There was certainly kids. But you're high tripping. right now. <laughs> a little. Yeah. You provided the tea. There is um, a, there is a, there's CBD tea on this table right now. Not for Rob, but not for Rob. No, that's nice. But no, um, I mean, as far as for me, just weed in school, and then after school, kind of got got kind of a psychedelic wallop on that, my own terms, yeah. for a little bit, yeah. but not necessarily as part of your school career. No, I was kind of, I was, I was afraid of it then. Mm-hmm. I was, I was afraid that, um, because a lot of my favorite artists had big acid trip histories and stuff that mm-hmm. that altered their stuff and mm-hmm. i felt kind of oh, wow. i felt kind of 
maybe it's nerdy, but just like focused on my thing mm -hmm. and yeah. afraid that if I did that, that it would. You might leave a piece of you in the spirit world. Yeah, which I, which it turns out you do <laughs> when you trip. <laughs> and it's okay. I'm, I'm selfishly bringing it up because uh, going to art school in San Francisco in the, in the late 90s, um, there were so many fucking drugs. Like when I went to school, I was like, oh my God. I mean, it was common. I mean, LSD and ecstasy and uh, it was crazy. So I'm always really curious about people's specifically their art, um, art school experience mm -hmm. because it was a fucking drug fest at the academy that I went to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't, I, I didn't have enough <clears throat> money to do drugs. I mean, I probably would have yeah. done a lot of drugs if, if I had money. Um, if you got them, smoke them. I, I know. It was, a, <laughs> I feel yeah. like it was a, it was like a reversal for me of of uh, like the conformity of drugs. Like in the normal world, doing drugs is the nonconformist go to. But somehow at art school, it was you. The you were opposite. you were more punk rock if you didn't do drugs. Well, I I don't know if I don't and I don't even think it was like it was just more like it it rubbed me the wrong way in school to do a bunch of drugs. So I was a total fucking you were a square. Edge. Yeah. yeah. You're still a square. Yeah. 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 Sleep <laughs> sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation was Is the big pig drug. Is your snoring? What is that sound? That's a snoring pig. That's an adorable okay, snoring pig. How long has this reached us? Can I Try it, try it. Okay, I'm sneaking over still to see if big. I can get Don't the microphone. Pull the zoom. Okay. All right. No more cute little sounds from, from the pig. Okay. So you're going to college. You're not doing a shit ton of drugs. You're in um, Chicago now instead of Minneapolis. Yes. It's a four-year program. Yes. And does well, animation come into this? Yes. Ooh, good call. Yeah. <laughs> good call. Okay. Yeah. Indie animation with Trevor yeah. and Rob. If you're just tuning in, yeah. we have Jesse McManus. Uh, we might talk about animation on this episode. Yeah, I gravitated towards the animation department there when I heard there was one, and um, and they had the you know they had the round desks mm -hmm. and a whole big ass hole punch, and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, it's good because um, I was one of those things and couldn't afford them or whatever. And um, <laughs> and but it it turns out that it was kind of like I think it was like the experimental departments at like a Cal Arts or something. Uh -huh. There was no um, chops style um, character schooling yeah there was and that's what i've been obsessed with as a kid like trying to make characters move smooth or whatever but mm -hmm. i get there and it's more like here's here's paint on glass here's yeah, here's animation. here's contour line animation yeah. here's you can improv improvise you can use whatever you want um you just have to do stuff and here's lunch boxes to test it yeah and here's a little multiplane thing you can fuck around with um and my teacher was jim trainer who's a shark i think he's still a chicago animator who did everything with Sharpie marker uh -huh. um, and kind of did these quasi anthropological documentaries. Like there's one about bats and there's one about these lizard creatures called the Moss cops that he made up and they're just kind of like fake Attenborough, but uh -huh. done with Sharpie marker. Nice. And he was just a geek for stuff and was like, here's Harry Smith animations. Here's mm -hmm. Robert Breer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Who's that guy? Lenislav Sturevich, mm -hmm. or the oh, yeah, yeah. stop motion bugs guy. And yep. um, uh, yeah, it was just a kind of avant-garde animation 
class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's so yeah, that I've stuck to that for a while. And luckily in school, you know, every other avenue could feed into that. So I can take a sound class and learn how to use a DAT recorder, and right. I can right. do drawing class and brainstorm ideas for the animation. Right. Or, did you end up animating? Did you end up yeah. producing animation before you left? Yeah, that was my f- my. F- I think the final installation project I did was like yeah, three screens, playing things, playing. I m- made like a two and a half minute movie and then a couple loops, and um, set them to like archival f- folk music instruments. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, they're fun. And then a wall of drawings. Do you have it somewhere? I, I in do. some form I need to put it I need to make it more available it's on it's on YouTube oh, I would love to see it but it's it is what, like when you're saying I can do my style and other people's style mm-hmm. like I like all styles but uh, improvised contour line animation mm-hmm. comes most easily for me like I yeah. just whether it's an abstract form or a character and then just letting that ooze and move slowly yeah and yeah, um, yeah. it just feels really good to do yeah and that so, way so you have a YouTube channel yeah, is it, does I it have mean, a funny handle? Like your Instagram is Watamook. My Instagram's Watamook with an underscore between the two. But no, it doesn't have. I don't have a, like a channel. That's just. It's like. But people can find it right now if they're listening. Yeah, to if like they Google. looked up Jesse as McManus, if this were a live fucking show. But I they mean, could find it. <laughs> yeah, um, but they could find it if they did Jesse McManus. Yeah, the the mo- one movie is called Nils Pottery Life Child. Okay, and so that's this little Buster Brown guy that I did. Um, so that one's up there. You can you can find some of that stuff. It's not at now now uh, eleven years, ten years hence. I'm not super proud of it. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's that still, you that's, that's, that's did you graduate in two thousand eight? Yes. Okay. And you've been and so I'm, I think the answer is no, mm-hmm. but that means the fucking day you graduated. You started at Bent Image Lab as a designer, and that you've been not. there since 2008. That did not happen. That didn't fucking happen. So what the fuck happened between in the last 10 years? Because um, I think I met you five years ago. It's probably about right. Right? Yeah. yeah. So what have uh, um, you been doing, homie? How did you... How did you how did you get to the West Coast? Um, I, had, I had cartoonist friends in Brooklyn when I finished school, and I moved out there for a year right and worked in a bookstore, helped build a bookstore from the ground up, kind of through my mom's connection. It was like, this bookstore is about to open. So right. oh, wow. a bookstore called Greenlight that's now has multiple locations. They're actually killing it, I guess. Um, and But then I was socially anxious, didn't want to be in a retail environment, and it was super expensive to live there. Yeah. Wait, are you generally socially anxious? Am I? Oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. We all work in the art, so all of us have like. Yeah. I mean, I I have social anxiety. Oh, it's it's a big one. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh um, and that's why that's why I'm, that's one reason that I've love to hammer on stuff for Bent when I take anything I can get because I'm terrified of being behind a counter. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and respect people who can do that or any other kind of like social work. Yeah. Um, but um, it's a, it was just a bit much. How long were you there for? When you go, so you got to Brooklyn. Was there for a year and then moved, and then scurried back home, drew that first comic in the mm-hmm. book, um, and then had a couple more cartoonist friends in Portland and was yeah. like, I want to I want to be near rainfall. I want huh. I want as much rain as I can get and I yeah. want it to be cheap. You came yeah. to the right, well, not for the cheap part, but you came well, right, but to the right for the it was rain. Still, it was still cheap. I moved yeah. here. I returned here from L.A. in '06 and, and shit was still this shit was cheap in '06. It ain't yeah. fucking cheap now. It was it was cheaper, and I have to say I was I'm slightly disappointed on both fronts because it's not not cheap anymore, mm. no, it's and not. it's 
June hits and the clouds disappear for five months, yeah, and so. everyone's like, "Isn't this great?" I'm, yeah, and I'm like, "That's not, not what you signed." I on start for. going nuts in what, August. So, so can I ask a question? So um, there's a local uh, artist in town named uh, Amy Kutab. Yeah. Uh, do you know Amy? Yes. You do know Amy. Mm-hmm. And I think I forget how, but I know that I knew the from, connection uh, between you. Used to co-own uh, one of the galleries in town, Pony Club. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When I came to town, that that through various cartoonists, like met her and made friends and stuff. I mean, I'm not I'm not super um, social in the city as far as other cartoonists go, but she was definitely one of the nice people I met in the first year I was but here. How did when you said that you also had cartoonist friends? Uh, in Portland, like while you were mm-hmm. in Brooklyn or while you returned home momentarily to mm-hmm. Minneapolis, how did you make those friends? Were they from school? No, make them from sharing stuff online. Oh, word. Yeah, or or through the mail. So wait, what's that? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean through the mail? Like, you know, envelopes. That's one of the most, stamps. That's what I mean. It's so funny that it's you like it, pen pal. You became pen pals. Yes, with, I had pen pals with, with, with people, and they were. Your age and like your your peer group. Uh huh. And I, I should actually adjust it and say too that I did have I do have several a couple friends from school that live out here and then grew up here in some cases and so I knew I had artist people from online that I could mm-hmm. yeah. be around. But I also knew you know my friend Maya gave me a sublet in her right. place for the first summer I was nice. here. You know, and that was a school connection. And um, well, yeah, how did uh, you get here? Did you take the bus? Or I took did you the aeroplane. Yeah. You flew out of here. Yeah, yeah. with the gunny sack or whatever. But and that's 2009-ish? <laughs> yeah, two th- 2009, yeah. 9, 10. Yeah, and then, yeah, my my friends Andy and Amanda are still some of my best friends in town, and they're SAIC people. Um, so it continues, and yeah, I flew over here and just somehow have kind of stayed in Southeast. So what'd you do time. when you flew? When yeah. you came out... Uh huh. How are you, you paying need your to, bills? You need to make money. I worked. I worked. See, Rob, you and I do. We're like this. Yes. We're like this. Oh, yeah, I was thinking about the money. You, yeah. The, <laughs> what did you do for the, money the, when the, you got off that airplane the, and you went into the sublet? Yeah. No, the gap is closing because I went and worked at a daycare after school program service here called Art for Life. Oh, Art for Life. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I think Amy. Amy was also a teacher for Art for Life. I feel yeah. Like a lot of local. Yeah, she was. I totally forgot that she was. I forget if we were parallel. Maybe we were, or maybe she came after me. I think I did that for. A couple of years, and uh, one of the one of my co-teachers, girl Sarah Benson, uh, I showed her my stuff, um, and she was the cousin of, oh, of Kirsten. Okay. okay, she said, "Oh, my my cousin's a producer at this place, and they might I don't know if it's too commercial for you or something, right. but uh, but you uh, might yeah. you might uh, want to uh, send your stuff to them." And so I sent a pile of links, and mm-hmm. it got through to to her and you and Saul. Yeah, because I want to so. say Saul knew about you first. Because yeah. maybe she and Saul were working together. Wait, but who's the producer? Who? I'm missing... Kirsten. Do you remember Kirsten? From fucking Wyden Kennedy? Yeah. She just got married. Yes. Lovely human being. Congratulations. So I did a portrait of Sarah Palin for the Secret Santa one year at Beth Image Lab. <laughs> I did a pencil sketch of this pretty grotesque but photorealistic thing of Sarah Palin. And I, and, uh, I got her name pulled, so All right. I gave her that. So she's, you know, you know maybe that's the, maybe that's going to be hanging over her new, uh, Wherever she's living with her new partner. Maybe when she got married, she's just like it's on the Hopa yeah. or something or whatever. <laughs> so oh wait, wait, wait. So so Hopefully. so it's Chris, no, it's Kirsten. <laughs> Kirsten. Oh, 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 oh. So Kirsten's cousin 
was my art for life coworker. Was your art for life, art for life coworker. coworker? Right. Which is, and that's just, and also that's the that's perfect. Crazy. But that's also though. the perfect. That's what I want this podcast to be or to yeah. show because that's what the fucking thing is. And it's crazy. Right? Is you yeah. don't you try so hard to make things happen, and the things that happen are never the plan. They're always mm-hmm. something else, and like. I guarantee that through that time you were planting a billion other seeds that could have turned into a billion. That other could have flowers. turned into you being designing for a Wyden Kennedy, but or this you random, going to Leica, this or, random yeah. thing, this 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 or not random thing, this one thing connected me to you, mm-hmm. seemingly randomly, and now I can't imagine like you know not having you in my creative circle. Likewise, it's crazy. I gotta say. Having worked as a producer at Bent for so long, that uh, studios develop a staff, and they there uh, there were individuals working at Bent, especially at that time, that were on they were on payroll. So if we needed uh, to, if we needed character designers, generally our first stop would have to you know we would go to those staff people, um, whether their style fit with our thing or not. So I'm actually I think it's a from my point of view I think. Penetrating a studio as an outsider, A, is really hard, especially if you're just coming out of school. Uh, but I think it's a it's a testament to your uh, how beautiful your work is, the fact that you were actually able to, to get in front of the line uh, when there were at, like decades old other uh, designers at Bent that, you know, financially we should probably go to first because they're on staff. Do you know or what the, I'm or there's or Yeah, or there's just like people have established like – you are with me now. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like these established yeah. connections where they're like, or if I'm going to be, if I'm going to need designers, one of them is going to be this person. It is, it, it, it's, it, it, you know, it, it seems like character design would be, is, is a hard thing to crack, but it's, you know, it also is. But it's, it's amazing how you just seamlessly became part of Bent, part of the ecosystem at Bent. Cause I, I know that that's not easy becoming an ecosystem, being a part of, Penetrating any family is like really hard. I did know? I did PA stuff during the first year for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> wait, what? Did you really? Yeah, and I was not great, but I, but I did it because. Wait, were you peeing in the art department, like going and picking up lumber and shit? Uh, sweeping up sugar. Mm. Wait, were you sweep, sweeping up sugar on on one of the jingle shows? Mm-hmm. At, at, at in the supermarket? Uh, no, um, but it was I've. I've Maybe it was the Ooh. second jingle or something, but it was at Bent Two up up the street when I was up still the there. Oh, yeah. See, you two did work together. We you did work together. <laughs> told you. But I don't remember. No, well, there was a lot of people on that thing. There and was a lot. You of wouldn't people. remember Jesse sweeping the floor. You would remember Jesse designing the characters or drawing yeah. the storyboards, which was all all you know relatively short jobs. Mm-hmm. And I was ecstatic because I just I was you know had a cheap little room in a house nearby and was like. I can work for like half a week and pay my rent. Right, right, yeah. right. What oh, the God, fuck? Um, but can you do that now? No, work for half no. a week? No, <laughs> I can't. I got to work twenty-seven days in a row to pay my fucking. Um, but that was when I, I I was still you know also really excited to be in a studio environment that, to Ben's credit, was big enough to be epic, but also small enough to feel comfortable and suck mm-hmm. your fucking soul away yeah and not feel like i'm being spanked on my way out the door every time or whatever um but you also were you're you uh 
we're surrounded by some of the warmest and most talented people at Ben Timmons. Not to say that there's untalented people there, but to say that if Rob and Saul were the ones who brought you in, Rob and Saul are carry the weight of most of the soul of that studio in terms of like they're both incredibly talented, but they're also also both really nice. You guys aren't just talented, but you're fucking assholes, or you're not. <laughs> You know, untalented but super nice. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I feel very lucky and, yeah, about but, that. And but but also like you like you, it shouldn't be diminished the heavy lifting that you did, which is that like there was sweeping for a year. No, seemingly nothing that we could throw at Jesse that didn't come back better, and that that that's the sign of like someone that oh, that's uh, sweet. That you're going to you. work with a ton, uh, like uh, someone who we go who we actively try to keep working because because yeah. his work is so great that like I don't want him to move somewhere else and then not be able to work with him. But so. now and by work what's Thank interesting you. is that it's not just it's not just character design. It's not just animation. It's not like you being listed as an art director on Design Labs website right mm-hmm. now which for people who don't know is Bent Image Labs design arm um, that you you really can do pretty much do anything and story storyboards is Try a big part of the storyboards. thing i forgot about story which seems like a no-brainer from a comic book perspective yeah. but there's times mm-hmm. when there's we go into this thing where there's like there's storyboards that are jesse style and there's storyboards that are kind of like need to be more generic and like jesse the insure style. jobs <laughs> are, you gonna, are you gonna bleep that did you ever direct <laughs> did you ever direct the insure jobs not yet are you on deck anything's possible that's true um, Insure is that uh, thing that you feed people who are in hospice. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, uh, Go watch the commercials. <laughs> they air on CNN all the time. Um, Rob's uh, probably about to direct. Yeah, that. I'm trying to get off this topic as fast as possible. Uh, uh, <laughs> but but Jesse came in for a year, which was still like fucking like 2012. Yes. And you um, uh, you did the crummy stuff with the sweeping and all of that. But w- at what point? Did you go from uh, uh, being support staff to generating art? Well, the first thing I did in the door was was an art thing, was like character design thing. So, was it the Coke thing? Yeah. Okay. And which, that, which Coke thing? So it was Coke. I'm sure we'll have to bleep half this, yeah. but it was the bid for Coke. Spirit of the Euro. Spirit of the Euro. That it was me yeah. and, and yeah. Carlos did a different bit, and Carlos's bit is the one that got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Jesse's art for it was amazing. Also, the quantity. I like one of the things that like blew me away was I was like I was like, whoa! I have like the end of the day. He's so uh, he draws so manically that like at the end of the day, I have a stack of you images had choices to yeah. go through and <laughs> to decide. What was was Kirsten your was. producer on that job? No, I don't think she was. I think she just put him in front of me, and you were like, mm-hmm. "This is the fuck yeah, let's give this kid a shot." Yeah, I mean, uh, I was wanting to do. I mean, I was wanting to do something in that, like, basically his design style decided what we wanted to do with the job. Uh, Like, I wanted to do, I looked at the stuff and I was like, oh, this is what we want to do. We want to do this crazy thing that we've, that like is, I've never seen dimensionally ever, you know, and, and. Would it have all been 2D? Was that your pitch for that? No, it would have been stop mo. Oh, really? So with the end of it, we made. For the pitch, we made a maquette of one of his characters and uh, 
Bryce lit it, and we shot. I mean, it was gorgeous. I want to see this. Gorgeous. So, okay, for, so for people who don't know, most people don't fucking know, but if you were to Google right now uh, Spirit of the Euro Carlos Lascano, you would see what really looks like a short film, but it, basically it's a Coca-Cola commercial for when the World Cup was in Brazil three years ago, right? It was longer than three years ago. Was it longer than three yeah, years yeah. ago? Oh, yeah. Like, fuck, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm fucking up my 20, own Jesse timeline. 2010, right? 11, something. Okay, yeah. so it was a long, long time, time ago. ago. Um, uh, that's 11. Crazy. 11 so it could have been stop motion. Yes. But you. So, but the reason you went to sweeping snow was because the frequency of work wasn't high enough to keep you constantly as a character designer. Well, because, uh-huh. Yeah, because we didn't know at that time... Like it was like, all right, Jesse can do this crazy far out thing, and I think we did Fanta, the Fanta bid close close to that. It's possible. Um, I'm foggy. Um, which was another thing of like these crazy whacked out characters. Uh, so there was that there was that stuff, but I don't think anybody knew like, oh, you can do kind of character designs that maybe aren't as far out, or you can do mm-hmm. storyboards, and I think. Do you remember what was after this job? Do you remember what FML FML came in there somewhere? Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, that so was... when you did "Fuck My Life" for MTV mm-hmm. and VH1, uh, which was a call-in show, and we animated uh, the call-in, yeah. right? And and oftentimes, sometimes it was famous people doing right doing their their "Fuck My Life" fail army anecdotes of bad things that happened to them, right. yeah. and then sometimes it's an unknown. And sometimes Story. it was just a call in. Yeah. But you guys you had multiple directors on that picture, on that project, right? Like you yeah. would direct an episode. It was or, me and, it, or, it was me and Saul, pretty much. Did I you co direct or do you take turns at each one? We did both. We co directed some of them, we took turns on some of them, but we're I think in the same way that probably Josh and Saul are when they co direct, is that we're um we're we're like on the same page. So it almost yeah. Well, it doesn't even matter. It's almost matter. like on those. It, I don't think that it did matter. I think what, like I I look back at those episodes and I forget which ones that I did and which ones Saul did. How how have we been doing this podcast for a full year and haven't got Solomon Burridge on this? We are going to get Solomon Burridge on this. We need podcast. to get him. Yeah, such a great fucking Solomon. Yeah. I, and I've, I have to say, well, the thoughts in my head that uh, especially with those two early things that um, that was that continues to be one of the, the most fun aspects of like character design for sure is um not just seeing it turn into something else but um taking requests and then right. seeing and seeing the uh, director be psyched that you like manifested or like visualized a thing like that was my first impression of rob is he's like draw a dude in a chicken outfit and and a, <laughs> and, a, and, a and a cat who's spooked out by him i'm just like okay and and then you're like, whoa, there it is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like a dumb magic trick. <laughs> no, 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 but it is. But, but the, it is. It, and if you only knew from the other side of the table how how what a gift that can be versus what a huge disappointment that can be too. Like, so that's a that's a from whose point of view? Yours or the artist? No, from yeah, the director's point of view. Like, if you got garbage back, or if you got unusable stuff. No, or if, or if I just got a thing that was just like that, but uninspired, or you know, like. I mean, that's the thing. Is but like, I feel like you get that at a lot of studios, especially studios like sometimes. I'm not saying specifically about Bent, um, but some studios there becomes a, a little bit of stagnant sometimes. And like if you uh, if some people aren't bringing their A game, 
and you're relying on different staff to like give you that inspirational sure. thing and you don't have it. But sorry, my, my point is, but you still have you as a director still have to make it work. Yeah. Or if I'm not given enough, I mean, that's it comes back. It comes to me too at, t- at times where it's like it's where clearly you also just I did don't not deliver give enough direction. <laughs> yeah. We're someone I, saying the same thing about you. Yeah. I uh, should, I should you know, say that other side of it is that I've certainly been exhausted and missed the mark and mm-hmm. like, and like, or have just been given something that I'm not suited for. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I love trying rising to those occasions and being like, you didn't know I could do that too. Right. right. But often I don't know that I can do that. And sometimes it comes out with three arms sure, and yeah, missing yeah. an eye. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, well, yeah. We understand, but mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, um, so you, uh, so with "fuck my life," which that's somebody people can just Google that right now. It's actually it, really I, cute. So if you could only see fuck. Trevor's face, is Trevor like, loves to fuck. swear. He like rambles. He rambles fuck through the other life. ones, or like, but that one, it, it like we're gonna have to like we're fuck gonna have life. to limit that track because it just I think the fuck comes out extra fuck. loud. <laughs> right, we we'll have to put a governor on it. Uh, well, it's funny because you brought it up as FML. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really the title, and I'm just butchering it by saying "fuck my." No, 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 that's funny. That is the thing. I, I think it's a unique project because um, uh, I'm going to venture a guess, Jesse, is that because you're multi-talented, you didn't just serve as character designer or board artist for "fuck my life." I also want to imagine that you actually animated on "fuck my life" as well. I I wasn't animating. Oh, I'm wrong. No, God, but actually, it. but it Dustin, is, edit this out. No, but you're you kind of was because it was um. It was cutouts, mm-hmm. and so there were like down shooters. So there were, you can. I wasn't under the camera, but the animation reflex was there because there was some replacement, right? Yeah. So I was designing yeah, like the monkey freaks out. Who yeah. did that? Um, Nagel? Tommy Thompson. Oh, Tommy Thompson did them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tommy. I thought Eric was your animator on that. The, no, I think it was, it was before Tommy, before he went it was to before uh, John Summerson and Eric was tommy tommy did that because we did that um this is 2013 yeah something like that no 2012 okay wait but yeah because so tommy was was before tommy went to Leica. he was he went to Leica. he was working with us now he left Leica. he's in atlanta doing uh bento boxes uh puppet film oh cool yeah it's good for him He's a rock climber. I always imagine like a look on the ceiling. He's gonna climb um, on the ceiling. It was funny. It was he was a nice guy to work with, but I remember it was like I'm saying to you, like it was fun. It's fun to draw something and have like by request for, to, just to fulfill a request. It's yeah. fun as a as a drawer. Uh, that was really fun to work with Saul and Greg because they were like. You'd make a Ferris wheel made out of like muscle man legs, oh, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I yeah. That they, and just you know, putting you know, giving me imagery to do that, and then I was happy to go as grotesque and meat bodied as as they were requesting, yeah. um, and I was psyched, and it was a mutual psychedness. I think Tommy, who was in charge of making these into puppets, very technically was a little bit more embarrassed yeah, yeah. about the whole thing. <laughs> so he was a nice dude, but for right. what's worth, oh, he had a harder time with it. Man boots. He did. He made really bus. nice yeah. things out of all the but modes. They were curated. Yeah. The stories were actually well curated by MTV's writing staff because there was, uh, it was like pretty extreme. Mm-hmm. Like there was like some feces, but because it was broadcast, <laughs> um, you guys couldn't actually draw the feces. You had to draw uh, it as rainbows. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? Is that the, yeah. I remember that horse. So, that, so it's all stuck in my head because it was so fucking brilliant. 
I love the nice. fuck my That's life. That's sweet. I'm just going to keep saying it over Thanks. and over. <laughs> um, and then, uh, did you work on the Captain Crunch? Yeah. The- I, that was a multi, multi thing. Yeah, I did. I, what did you do? Yeah, what did you do on Cap- character Captain design, Kids? storyboards, and a little animation? Oh, you did all three. I was not the main animator. That they had Tina and yep. Kamala mm-hmm. were on that, but I did odds and ends. But storyboards and character designs for me. And you did on that, but Rob, you weren't directing on Captain Kith. No, that's, that's not Solomon. The, that's and Saul Josh and Josh did that, one. right? Yeah, Josh Cox. So for Solomon people who Bridge. don't know, I guess Kith is like a big designer in New York, and in one of his stores, he opened up a cereal bar. Where you can go buy forty two hundred dollar pants, but then you can also get like a bowl of Captain Crunch. And I assume you could maybe get uh, merch based on designs I did, but right, which right. I never have seen right. in the flesh. Wait, but I heard <laughs> that after they did, after you guys did the commercial, it was so well received that then uh, they had asked for, um, they had asked for some additional artwork so they could do mm-hmm. a lookbook for merch. Yeah, and that was relatively easy. Of so just, are you just rolling in the dough right now? No. <laughs> just get royalty after royalty for all the Captain Crunch t-shirts and shit? Afraid not. I mean, I've like I said, I've been in limbo for a couple months at this moment and uh, living on the savings. But, it's, it's... but after this podcast, when people start buying The Whistling Factory by Jesse McManus, <laughs> uh, printed by Uncivilized Books, you're just going to be super rich. I, I, I would love to see a dime... From that. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, it's it's a small operation, uncivilized books for what they do on a national scale for distributing things and going to fairs. And I assume if that once that makes back its printing bill, yeah. that I'll yeah. that I'll see something. Yeah. But um, but I'm not. It's that's a big it labor works like of love, records, right? They gotta they 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 have to sell expenses first, and then yeah, and then yeah. then you whatever the cream is that has a divvy up no i and i considered you know the fact that i got like a little advance for it that could pay some of my rent one month mm-hmm. um and then but i have complete creative control yeah mm-hmm. and a, and a, and a you know couple people helping me make design decisions yeah, on other yeah, stuff yeah. and yeah. then people going and selling it at fairs and stuff yeah. for me like that's awesome I mean, that's yeah. But if you look at the if you look at the timeline of the Jesse McManus timeline of uh, you graduate college in 2008, it's really not that long ago. You've um, this is your first uh, uh, graphic novel, but you've done comics prior to this. Mm -hmm. But this feels to me the scope of this graphic novel feels really big. So it's like you're you taking less money. right now for the opportunity to share with the world your first graphic novel, which I want to imagine is one of many, 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 many that you're going to be publishing over your career. Let's hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and also to get that work out of my system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. that's yeah. the talking about doubt and stuff for art. There's also the other side of it of where it's like, I think I've done something I like, but like, how do I get it off my desk? Yeah. How do I yeah. how do I move on from this? I want the film version of that where there's like a distributor who takes the film away from me and does festivals and it succeeds or fails and I don't have to deal with it. Because the short film version of this is you're you know, you're putting it out into festivals and blah blah blah. And so you you know, if it's received well or whatever then then maybe it picks up momentum but there's the like you know the 
the uh, rejection, the like rejection by a thousand cuts is. But you know, as a producer, <laughs> I feel really strongly that you, as a creative, you just need to make your movie and then you hand that off to somebody else to do all of the that distribution legwork, even if it's submitting to film festivals and all of that. Right. Don't you feel like it's a fucking? You're using part of your brain that, that sh- you don't need to use as a creative. Yes, like, but let I somebody need, else do the fucking I need, housekeeping. I need to use it as a uh, someone who lives in my current reality. Well, <laughs> someday. I'm just saying, if I knew about film festival submissions, Rob, I would do this. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, um, from the bottom of my heart. I mean, I also it's also the like control freak side of me too that makes me do it. That like doesn't hand it off. But right. but there is definitely like an aspect to it that's like I I wish I didn't think about a film that I did in the past, you know, because I want to just be on yeah. in the now on the next and project. Present. Yeah, but, yeah. but you, and I also don't want to stop and focus just on trying to get this stupid thing that I did out there. Yeah. I want to, I want to be making the next thing. But I, I think uh, I agree with, with, with both of you. And I think part of identifying as an artist is, um, uh, being able to meditate on something and, in order to be healthy is to give birth to it and not mm-hmm. have something languish over and over and over, whether it's a theme or a particular story. And that as artists, it's important to just get it out, um, to get things off of our plates and to move on and figure out what else you want to put in your oven and what, where you, where your consciousness consciousness is at that time. And I think normal people, um, probably don't get a chance to, to give birth to those things like artists do. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. maybe they do it in different yeah. ways or they go to fucking therapy or sure. something or they're, yeah. or they're, I don't know, do drugs or do walkabouts. Sure. People certainly do those things. <laughs> but I just right? feel like art affords artists a chance to evolve away from certain things. You know what I'm saying? Because you can physically manifest yeah. and the expression that's happened that starts on the inside mm-hmm. and it suddenly is a holy fuck, suddenly it's outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There seems to be something really healthy about that. Definitely. It's, there's a, that's an aspect I do really sincerely enjoy of, of, of it is when you can um, get a very abstract feeling of something you'd want to exist and then go through that whole dog and pony show mm-hmm. of making it. Years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then you can get to a place of looking back and being like, oh, this actually accomplished some some things I was trying to do, even if right. they're very intuitive for me in comics, they're things about scale. Mm-hmm. They're things about speed. Um, they're things just about, uh, the fun of reading, mm-hmm. um, or just, or even just drawing ideas of like, you know, like you're into comics, you're into cartoons or whatever. Like what, what specifically do you like mm-hmm. <laughs> about and it? Do you find and, that out after the fact a lot of the time? Yes. Yeah. So you just start drawing this thing, and then you're like, "Oh, I guess I I like knives." <laughs> yeah, no. The one one artist I love, Gary Panther, who did all the production design for Pee Wee's Playhouse back in the day, and just mm-hmm. has but has an insane, beautiful career of comics and paintings and stuff. Um, he was kind of he said something to the effect of like, "Oh, if you're running out of ideas, like try to think about what you thought was cool." When you were a kid. Right. Like, there's no shame in being like, what was I into? Oh, I was into, like, Dracula and yeah. aliens and yep. worms. Yeah. And, um, and I like that reverse thing, too, of, like, as a kid obsessed and 
trying to figure out what I wanted to do, you'd gravitate towards things that made you want to go draw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if I can do that in reverse, mm -hmm. like make something that something someone's going to pick up and be like, oh, this is not only doable, this is getting me, right. making me itch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right, right. Then that's right. like mission accomplished. Yeah. And you, uh, uh, you gave birth to this uh, uh, graphic novel in April of last year. You had, uh, but you had a premiere or a debut at Floating World Comics in December. Uh -huh. Those two landmarks, where does that put you in terms of like how old this baby is that you gave birth to? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you feel like that you've put this to bed? In a way, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely working on new stuff mm -hmm. to try to actually shepherd this further of like a $30, 300 page thing is not an easy entry point mm -hmm. for anyone getting into a cartoonist. Mm -hmm. So working on a lot of stuff, but kind of with the eye towards making something more reasonable. Sure. <laughs> right. But, um, but those, those, those events and before the, the reading event at floating world, I did one at, uh, moon palace books in Minneapolis with the autoptic festival, which is kind of run tangentially like by uncivilized and people related to them. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, did did just and went to uh, the Comic Arts Brooklyn Festival and did a reading there too. When is that? What time of year is that? Um, I don't know. It was in the it was in the summer. It wasn't, summer. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the fall, or the fall, <laughs> or spring, or maybe winter. Yeah, no, I don't. But it was right. those things were all for the. I'm not the best at hawking my shit online, mm -hmm. and so this was like. But I will definitely go in person and do a few of these things mm -hmm. to put it to bed. Yeah. And there was certainly that aspect of the first reading I did in Minneapolis was a dream come true. I, my dad helped me make a sampler with a sound bank mm -hmm. so I could read through one of the stories frame by frame and do live sound effects. No Why didn't you and videotape that? I do a video of it, oh, hey! but I, I haven't put that. it, I haven't put it anywhere yet. Let's post it to our website that we don't have. The, we put it in my Dropbox. Um, I want to see it because that sounds it it worked amazing. It worked, which yeah. is what spooked me. That does sound. But amazing. then I did that reading two more times, mm -hmm. and I was very, very done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, so. but there's also there's so there's a thing that I love, just in the world of uh, of intersection between different things, different creative things, mm -hmm. and I really love different versions of theater. And I say that not being someone who goes to watch theater ever. But like I love – there's like a – I probably have talked about it on this podcast before, but there's like a – there's a um, Orson Welles series called Orson Welles Sketchbook, which was like on the BBC. I think it's in like the – maybe it's the 50s. Maybe it's the 60s. And it's like Orson Welles is also a, a – can draw. And it's just and him going – And he can drink too. Oh, he can drink. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going through his sketchbook and telling stories and using his sketchbook to help illustrate it. And all it is is a camera on him. So he has his face, his voice, and his sketchbook. And it's so engaging. And I love the minimalism theater aspect to that. So as you are talking about this, I love – I mean I love reading your comics. I love the idea of – you going panel by panel and some voice work, but some sound effects work to take you into a different world of this comic book. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's something I dread having to do again, but, <laughs> but also like I did a reading in 
2012 of the first big story in the book. There's part of a comics reading series here in town called Gridlords that I don't know if it's currently uh, a concern, but uh, to read those things and and going kind of back to the first thing we were saying of your saying these comics you have to hold on tight and figure things out but on the other side of the desk this is completely intuitive and makes complete sense yeah to me and yeah. so to go in front of an audience and just say what's happening right yeah, <laughs> yeah. then they actually get the jokes yes. or something yeah. or then they see where it's supposed to be scary it's awesome and that's uh it's it's nice to actually make that connection because i have a reputation for being pretty confusing mm-hmm. uh, you which mean is, in person or on the page on the page. Yeah. I mean, maybe. <laughs> not in person. No. I don't know. I mean, maybe you are confusing, but I don't think that's your reputation. But you, so you haven't, you haven't done promotion for this book um, in 2019. So your, yeah. la- your last big push was, was last year. Yeah. So I'm just going to say that um, the, for the listeners that we have literally all around the world, the, the, I think right now, if you broke our listenership down, uh, one, I can't fucking believe that this show is as popular as it is. I'm just going to fucking say that for right fucking now. Dustin's a fucking badass. Yeah. Um, but I think if I'm, if I'm not exaggerating, I think right now our numbers are actually split in half between um, the amount of American listeners versus um, international listeners. I think it's like a 50-50 split right now. So my mm. question for you, A, not to brag about how fucking surprisingly large our viewer or listenership is, is um, would... Uh, uh, how would you present this book to international audiences? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, is this an American story? <laughs> <laughs> or stories contained within the 300 pages? It was made in America. Sure. <laughs> but um, do you know what I'm saying? Like, the. Um, you're asking, is it going to be accessible? I don't even know. Well, maybe. Yeah. It, like, is it. Is this something like so? We have we have these listeners in Afghanistan. I don't know fucking. Uh-huh. I don't know who they are, but it's uh, great. But I think they must be art enthusiasts. So I guess my question is, um, had you ever thought about that before? You know what I'm um, saying of, of presenting yeah. this to international audiences? Sure. I mean, I think. Well, I think it. it I think it does have some degree of international distribution, so it can be presented yeah. to them. Sure. But yeah. but there you tap on a different thing, which is. Um, I mean, it's all in English, and there's some backwards writing, and so that's that's um, if you're not in an English-speaking country and don't speak English, that would be a wall. Mm-hmm. Would, but yeah. I think one quality of the book that I wanted to put across, and I was being self-deprecating about being confusing, but I really like I've all my life I've loved the experience of looking at foreign books, mm-hmm. like looking at you know untranslated comics yeah, yeah. from France, from Japan, big chunky Shonen Jump issues mm-hmm. you could find in the 90s and be like, I can't read any of this. But you're just but I living get, on the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah I get yeah. the zeitgeist of it yeah. immediately. Yeah. And yeah. and you can read those comics. And some, some of the things in this book are made kind of by that reverse method of like, I'll draw a thing that looks like a comic and then I'll put in words later. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Or I'll make, you know. I'll, and I will say this about the comic too, is that there are at least broad sections where I don't know that the voices are helping illustrate the pictures at all. They're more, <laughs> I mean that like this, sometimes they're adding more mystery to the riddle or uh-huh. they're, they're pulling you in, but pushing you away at the same time. I think that it's very, it's very visual storytelling and there's a whole lot of it that you would follow 
what's going on. They're also some of it is so fast. Like some of it is like sweet. I get through the, like this chunk of the book, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to go back and see that again because I just roll through that mm-hmm. so fast. Well, th- this is the first issue, right? Like this is the 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 whist- I'm, I think I'm fucking butchering the vocabulary but the whistling factory has never existed prior to april of last year true so if somebody right now buys this first printing uh-huh. issue i don't know am i using the right first document? printing yeah first printing if they buy this at 29.95 um put it in a bag they'll be able to <laughs> though that's yes. what i'm saying is that so if if anyone is, is paying attention um being an artist is fucking hard and sometimes your day job becomes your life and you look up and you're suddenly 40 years old and your and your dream of being an artist is really just something that you and your spouse talk about to your kids like, oh yeah remember the, you remember you want to be an artist mm. um i think your story jesse is incredibly unique in that um i think it's hard to penetrate the industry whether it's the the uh, comics world or whether it's film or television or commercials i think it's it's hard and it's there's a lot of there's a lot of debris where you can see where you know people have tried to follow their dreams, as it were, like the like the dream of wanting to be an artist. And I think that um, you've played your cards right, and that you have this huge, rich amount of talent. That um, this the printing of this book, I think, is uh, so early on in your story of just what else you're going to be doing in your career. That for everyone who's listening, they should just buy the book now because he's going to be really big and famous. That's so sweet. Thank you so much, Trevor. I mean it. I, I, I genuinely mean it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I do. Whenever I feel weird about this book, I, f- I have moments of pride over it. But whenever I feel weird, I, I think, oh, yeah, I like it. I like in other artists when you can go back and see their first jumbled, catastrophic right, right. thing. And this, this certainly is... I like has that vibe. <laughs> I think you can take pride in how fucking thick it is. Like even if that this, is, even if it was straight up garbage proper. inside, that's yeah. a lot of garbage to but create. But is it three hundred? Like that's, really that's, that's a good way to say it. <laughs> I believe it's two eighty six. And the color work is fucking. It's beautiful. gorgeous. It's also Thank he's you. like you know I think one whatever as we go through the different things that I think are great about Jesse is that I think that there's like there's a whole bunch of I I have a love for package design and I think that. Within the book, there's so many things where there's panels, and then all of a sudden there's like package design. Like it feels like it should be. Like I was just thinking that as you flip through the pages, and like some of these are just part of the book, and then there'll be there'll be just things where it's just like that's just like a, a oh my god a a, a a mural on the side of a wall or something. I mean, sure. it's just like there's just there's so much wonderful design stuff going on in there. Uh, yeah, part of that's definitely just the fun of yeah making a complete package. Like everything, for the most part, everything in the book I tested in various formats, mm-hmm. in different ways, and each mm-hmm. of those things required different packaging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like you see, I mean that that's similar to like yep. this kind of marginalia yep. or whatever. Like this is you're pointing to uh, a comic you wrote uh, called Spider Monkey. Yeah, that's got some. That's got some uh, filigree work or whatever on the sides, and that often that's just because you're working with a format. Like you make a central drawing, but then no, you have an extra half inch. Right, right. <laughs> right. So either be be confident and leave it blank, uh-huh. or or be baroque. And but there's weird. like a that's a it's like a Chris Weir thing about it. That's like oh, yeah. a, that that I feel like there's a 
when you do all that stuff, there's a preciousness to the thing that I think that I enjoy as a, as someone buying things and looking at things. Yeah, no, he definitely is the the insane master of that in of over the top, you know, for for a very for a seemingly straight edge guy. He, right. He, he he gets to a psychedelic yeah point yeah. with his packaging that's. So fun, so amazing that it makes you sad. Yeah. <laughs> so the so the work that you have incubating right now, yes. uh, I know you said it's been a couple of months since you've uh, worked over at Bent. Have you been working for other studios in town? Mm-mm. So Bent's been your that's been the the only commercial hub. But I imagine that you have uh, freelance requests. Uh not not so much not lately. Really. I mean, not you know, commissions. Fingers stuff. crossed, and I should yeah. I need to put out the word of yeah. hey, I'm open to any kind of commission or anything. Um, no, but you're incubating long form ideas right now, like more books, more comics, just working more. on comics and drawings. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's just a daily thing, but you're built by, well, I mean, aside from like expressing yourself daily, but you're, you, there are one or two or multiple efforts where you're actually collecting and putting shit aside, knowing that it's mm-hmm. going to become a larger animal at some point. Yeah. That's the nice thing, at least being tied up to a publisher. Is and knowing and why do you have a multiple book deal with? No, not things? tied up, but but tied up in the way that if I make something with the right format, there's someone to take it to. He's there, yeah. 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 And there and keeping aware of other publishers in the indie comics milieu. Um, right. But which are, there is a lot, and there's a lot here in the Pacific yeah, Northwest. There's plenty, and so that, that's a nice thing is that it puts the onus back on making the work. Yeah. Like oh, if you can finish another dumb book, man, right? Yeah. Then there's a place to put it. Yeah. But um, until then, like, keep working. Um, so my, I, I won uh, before we before we tie a bow on this. I have a question about. Uh, so you, it's kind of relates to what you just said. You have, you have an outlet when the comic presents itself, mm-hmm. right? Is there anything, like, is there any like? dream that you want to creative dream that you want to achieve that's that's like that um kind of like the holy grail for you you know um i mean i think we're all friends here you can be honest it's okay yeah like <laughs> like is it a, is it is it like a tv series or is it or is it a book or do you want to have your spoon in your cherry at you know, at a museum. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking dreamy, like the, the, the two things that pop up for me are like having the opportunity to do like large scale installation art or, or video combined with video and things like that. Um, do, being able to fully design video games would be really nice mm-hmm. because really? I, because I, I, I feel like I have a pretty, a pretty good, um, I have a pretty good, handle on making stories that what you'd seem think would point me towards making a pitch for for a pilot or making a short that i could use as a pitch or something like that but i really like nonlinear thought Mm -hmm. and i really like the idea of setting up designing and setting up things in a space and letting someone else make their story by interacting with it Mm -hmm. so that that's when you say designing a video game yeah are you saying you're not saying it like in the like cog in the wheel designing like you want to design the characters and the way the boards look you're talking about actually like uh like game design like designing the game almost like someone who designs a um 
what do they call those things? Escape room kind of a thing. Yeah. Like you want to come up with the no game shit. with the rules of mm-hmm. how the thing works. And that, yeah, that would be really fun. That's that's definitely the impulse that's in the comics for me is setting up a few things and then I'm running through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How but, much do you know? How much do you? What do you feel like? What do you like play when, a lot of games? Do you, I've I've before I got into self publishing comics, I I went hard on playing games, mm-hmm. <laughs> and but I don't so much anymore because they're expensive. Yeah, yeah. and because and because I got I literally did turn that switch. That's why I'm saying video games are dreamy is because I was like 14 and I was like, I want to make games, but I'm not a programmer mm-hmm. and I can't, but I can draw a mm-hmm. comic. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to make like a meta video game comic all referencing video games. Like it's enough challenge to just draw a comic. Can you just make your yeah, dad do it? Yeah. Did you say your dad's a programmer? <laughs> yeah, smart, like, smart. Dad, make this game. No. Dad, make this he, game encour- right? he encouraged the fascination. I mean, he, he played Mist with me when I was mm-hmm. little and Wolfenstein. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that he's he was egging on the video games. But um Well I want to no. believe I want to believe in a world where there are um, there are people who wake up every morning and they are um, they're entrepreneurial and they uh, uh, work in the gaming world and they're out drinking with their friends and they're like, fuck, if I could only find the right designer. Sure, you know what I'm right. saying? And like, like your counterpoint or, or your counterpart, that person is out there. So I want to make a like game collections with of people. Like I, I say we should make a game. I'm into See, it. See, there then, you go. I'm right. Find, <laughs> the motherfucker's uh, right in front of me. We just have to find, uh, uh, you know, the third part of this triangle would be the programmer. Mm. Um I would love I would love to make a game. Dude, I and I would Death Force the video and, game. And, and I feel like and I feel like it would be uh it would be a more you know, we we collaborate professionally, which is which is an uneven collaboration, but I could see this because I don't I've wanted to be in, I've wanted to make a game from the creative standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know enough about games and I Think super linearly. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm just making this silly face because fucking Cameron Carson, the VFX supervisor yeah, yeah. at Bent, we um, uh, we made a fucking video game in VR. Oh yeah, with Ian McNamara as the designer. Uh-huh. Hmm. And, uh huh. And when I think of Cameron, I don't think of him as a you know as like a game architect. Uh-huh. Motherfucker did it. He fucking did it. We all uh-huh. sat down and fucking designed a video game but this was vr right so you, you have to put the goggles on and you interact with the with the game itself using the limitations of you know vr mm-hmm. um but anyway i'm just saying i don't have know you, if you guys are high on the vr you play, thing but have Cameron's you played the ma what is it called monumental something journey monument monument valley monument valley Mm-mm. fucking beautiful if what, i'm not saying that the, the name that's incorrectly not, it's like an app game where you uh where you have to like move it's kind of like very Escher-ish where it's got impossible perspectives and you've got to slide things around Ooh, so that people cool. can get to this. Like basically if you had like two two doors and you had two bridges and the bridge is impossible, but if you slide it here, it connects to this door and you slide it there, it connects to that door mm-hmm. and you get the person through. So cool. it's like a puzzle game like that, but it's gorgeously designed and like, or like Love You to Bits is another app that I really like, which is okay. uh, just little puzzle boards, but they're gorgeous looking. And I want to be the linear storyteller in the non-linear <laughs> space. Like, I want... Yeah. To, to Sorry, I'm going to jump in again. Brandon, the motherfucking Unity designer uh, at Bent. Yes. 
He's blind in one eye. Is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Anyway, I didn't know that either. That motherfucker. Uh, uh, wow. I've watched him. Does it, so he competes in like the whatever the 72 hour. I'm probably murdering this. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably I'm probably murdering every detail yeah. I'm about to say. Sure. But he competes with a team in like GameCon or whatever. Okay. Some fucking nerdy shit. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, they placed or something. Whatever the fuck that means. Uh-huh. And then he was like, hey, take a look at what. Take a look at this video game that we made and, and competed in. And motherfucker, he made a video game from scratch. Yeah. Like that. Not the VR stuff, but like an actual, like, like the shit my fucking kids and I play on. That's what I want. PlayStation. That's what I want. Fucking it's like, I want to, I, I want to do. He's probably not a listener of this fucking <laughs> I want to. He's, he's, he's <laughs> such a fucking nice guy. But just so you know, I'm just saying there are people literally within reach if he's still working. At I want to do. Uh, achievable video games. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to do. I don't want to do like a console game that's gonna. That's that like. That's like we need a billion dollars and blah blah blah. I want right. to do. No, the this motherfucker DIY did it exactly. Version. It was like the punk rock DIY version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, okay, I'm gonna right, produce it for you guys, right? I'm All into it. I'm fucking in. Video. I'm into it. Um, guys, <laughs> I have to. Uh, I need to move to Los Angeles tomorrow morning. Okay. <laughs> um, true story. So I have to cut the podcast a little bit short, um, but uh, I'm going to repeat this over and over and over again. Uh, the Wishing Factory by Jesse McManus. It's not The Wishing Factory. <laughs> what? The Whistling Factory. The Whistling, see? Starring. The Whistle. It's confusing font. The, whist- the Whistling Factory by uh, Jesse McManus. Um, he's a brilliant fucking artist. Uh, and then to boot, he's also just a really, really nice guy. Pishaw. Uh, and it's Thank been you. really great having you here in our high-tech studio with the pig. Oh, man. It's been a total honor. Like, I wouldn't be surviving at this point in life if Rob hadn't been an awesome boss oh. and, and kept asking me back. Trevor is a charismatic host. Cheers, man. Um, Dustin, I'm, I'm a big fan of all his work in podcasting and audio over the years. He's, he's a really good guy. So. We fucking lucked out, this motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a total treat for me. So thanks Thank for you so much for coming on, Jesse. We've been t- we, uh, we, we have been seeding it as like, oh, we got to get Jesse. So really this finally from the happened. beginning. This is awesome. We actually have it in emails. Literally, when we're talking about <laughs> booking guests, there's yeah, like yeah. a year's worth of emails of Rob being like, "Dude, let's get fucking Jesse on." And I'm like, "I'm too hungover. We can't do a podcast." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if, but if anybody like sincerely, I I can't say enough. I don't know how we have the listenership that we have. I don't know how it got international, um, but I do know that uh, Dustin's responsible for all this. So as you guys are listening. And uh, I'm sure anyone can do a better podcast than Rob and I. Uh, if you guys want to figure out how to get in touch with us, I can get you guys in touch with Dustin. Um, he produces other podcasts. And if he can make this fucking podcast work, just imagine what he can do for you. So uh, reach out to me uh, if you guys, if anybody, if anyone's listening wants to uh, get in touch with Dustin. <laughs> I love that the constant, like, if anyone's listening, if anyone, <laughs> people are the fucking, we have the metadata. I mean, drop, dropping are, a can into a bucket. If people anyone, are definitely listening. fucking listening, but yeah. whatever. I mean, that's, the reason Rob and I have a podcast that is broadcast around the world is because of Dustin. Like you and I could sit here and try to self publish all we want to my 11 fucking followers on Instagram. (laughs) Agreed. It's good times. Um, Jesse, you're good people. Um, Thanks for coming by. Thanks man. um, Thanks for the tea. Uh, oh yeah did the cbd can you feel it oh i feel nice isn't it relaxing <laughs> it's all good yeah yeah one more shout out cbdamericas.com um uh will ship within two or three days any cbd product you want and it's uh, uh i believe it's all organic it's made here in oregon uh, and i just finished my tea and i feel uh, like taking a nap 
But I'm going to finish packing so I can move to LA. If my kids are listening, I only drank the coffee. (laughs) I promise. (laughs) Yeah, if my kids are listening, you're too young to turn off right now. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Cheers. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.